All right, cool. Let's just get into it. Food Junkie Let's Radio Season 2, four-month layoff. Two. What is going on out in these streets? Yeah. All right, go ahead. Got uh, a little busy, but yeah. back at it. Go ahead. go ahead. You're good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it got a little busy. You know, restaurant got a little crazy. There's a change on that front now, for me at least, so... I mean, I got more free time, more time to do the pod, so let's get after it. All right. No, let's, uh, let's talk. Let's talk. What were we talking about in the shop? God damn we, it. We were, we were going off. Well, I told you about, <laughs> I know, we were going off. I was like, calm talking down, to save you this, about save this ma- Mafia and Lemons. Oh, that's right. Okay. Okay. Uh, yep, yep, yep. I know that's where it ended. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how up. we got there. Yes. Uh, 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 I don't know. I don't remember. But we, we can talk about Mafia and Lemons to start, I guess. No, that's cool. What were, yeah. we, what were we talking about off camera? What were we talking about? Just now? Yes. We were talking about change of environment. We were talking about educating guests. So oh, there that, you go. You were griping. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I was griping. That's Let's right. Go. I'm Let's always go with griping. The gripe. Let's go with something. the gripe. Let's get that energy going. All right. So we, I, I was griping about when uh, a restaurant or a food service business put something on their menu that is I, I hate to say basic meal is, is some is is a food item that is easily achievable at home but that they kind of try to claim as like a creative entity when really it's just putting two things together and you know and and that's fine too but that's more of like a home thing and how I just wish that guests had more knowledge and that's really what I was griping about that um, people don't have that knowledge innately and how we can address that. Oh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. You're good. You're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're good. Yeah, you're good. All right, boom. Uh, FJ Radio, Food Junkie Super Radio, free. Season 2. We are here season. at Mass Coffee. I got uh, Polo back on the mic from yep. his vacation. Just got back from Italy, <laughs> yeah. actually. <laughs> Just. So we're here. <laughs> coffee shops will uh, be doing uh, more coffee, uh, you know, around town and theories of why coffee is now the new lunch spot. But mm-hmm. besides that, you were talking about the interest in how food is in relation to our body from a chemical standpoint. Right. Do we eat for body type, culture, blood type i've heard that around town yeah. too i mean it makes sense right because chemical equations have a result you know a finite result and i think on paper the best human maximizes those results right but then i'm always interested at the the inner crossing interwebbing of what is chemically best for you what is chemically most pleasurable for you, and then where does the commercialism fit into that, right? Because stuff is marketed to to trick you into thinking this, that, and the other, whether for good or bad. And like, you know, I love peanut butter and jelly. I know it doesn't get me the best thing, you know, and I love eating cheddar popcorn, you know? That's hella good. It's not best for me, but it, you know, where is the maximum pleasure to, efficiency output for me and is that different for every person and then as there's more mixing of the different genes throughout the world are we getting closer and closer to a more homogenous earthly human or in parts of the world are we getting away from that you know parts of the world that are isolated 
And I'm always fascinated by the science of something like that. And I'm always looking for different podcasts or, or just little things to look at about stuff like that. There probably are a lot of them out there, but they come from the world of science. Right. Okay. Because I've understood this now, I think, thinking about it, that these industries don't really work together. They're just kind of like nutrition. I would, I would say semi they do nutrition, though, right? Nutrition world and uh-huh. chef world don't really blend. That's true. Saying? But like, I think to say that the science world and commercial worlds, they definitely work together. I think for marketing purposes. Yeah. Because if right? the flavor of the year is, or the flavor of the world right now is science, right? Mm-hmm. And the best way to sell food and for people to understand it is through a science, you know, like kind of narrative. Yeah. Well, if someone, science, scientist tells you it, it must be good. See? It's what people have. That's like but like and doctor recommended. Exactly. See? But like, if you're going to tell me, if you don't think that Doritos has food scientists, that their what they learn goes directly into the marketing i think you are uh deluding yourself because they are definitely finding stuff in there that goes right on the packaging yeah or and in the food for sure but they find stuff that goes right on that labeling that they can say is true because well a scientist scientist said so you know so so who's at fault right there i don't know i i like like i was saying earlier i i uh I do my best to not get mad at the person, but to try and find the solution for how to address it. And for me, the solution is always more education. And I feel like it's my personal responsibility to add education to people that I have that others don't. So like when people come in to eat and they say they want this, that, and the other, and I'm like, well, that's not a real thing. And they look at me crazy. Or even before that, I say, you know, I think what you're asking is that you really want this and explain that to them. And they're like, oh, yeah, I do want that. You know, and some people onboard it and some people don't. And that's as far as for where I'm at, as long as I've communicated efficiently, efficiently, the information that I have to them and then they make their own choice. They can disagree with me. I don't care. You know, but I think. I think it is the responsibility of someone who has a little bit more knowledge on a topic to share that with someone else so that they can make a more educated decision. And they may still decide against you, and that's fine. Cause, okay, okay. But at least they, you know, it's like at least decision. they... We're going somewhere. Yeah, they were able to add knowledge, and they made their decision based on that rather than just false information or a feeling in the moment. Or maybe they did, and that's fine, but... I think it is the responsibility of someone who has knowledge to share it so that people can make more informed decisions on real facts rather than just false. But that's hard. We're in the world where we're trying to figure out what's true and what isn't, right? Everything we're taught to be believed on TV is no longer what they tell us. And it's hard because science constantly learns something new. So it can be super frustrating for someone who, like, I I find it frustrating for me because people are like, well, three years ago you said that. And I'm like, yeah, well, that was the science of the time. And based off these findings, you know, that's what they said. And now they went back and restudied it because there's a new tool or someone found this or it came out that so-and-so may have been slightly corrupt in what they were doing, you know. And I think to accept that science is always changing is a really difficult thing because it 
people feel like they have no footing, so they choose to stand on something else that is more constant. And like, I totally respect people's decision for that. But for me, I have to trust that the scientists and stuff that I look to, the papers that I look to, that I do believe that they're trying their best in the moment. So for me, why would I not go with that person even if they said they were wrong. Usually when people say that they were wrong a couple years ago, I have even more trust in them because I know that like if they find something, they're not going to try and hide it. Or if even four more years down the road go again, they're like, mm, actually, I was wrong again. You know, I'm, I get frustrated the same, but at least I know that they are doing right by me. They're giving me information and I choose what to do with it rather than trying to uh, manipulate what I'm thinking. But see, I'm to think that sciences of the foods is more of a recent thing than the last couple hundred of years, not thousands, right? The science of food. Like just said? kind of what we're talking about. Yeah, like yeah. Like it structure. is super you recent. Yeah. So with the studies and all the, you know, everything they do in the lab. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what's interesting because if, let's say from the restaurant standpoint, right, what is the goal of restaurants, you know, and, and looking at, every single one all of them kind of have a different function different ethos different inspiration it's art it's it's all things encompassing we find it essential but we're also finding out that some people don't even need to eat you know so mm. few and far between depends on what the culture is right we were yeah. talking about what is american culture now has it evolved to what we were talking about off camera italian breakfast less in the morning less at lunch semi-medium Maybe smaller, you know, so there's yeah, a lot of different more theories. More smaller meals throughout yeah. the day, yeah. But see, what are we looking at here? Are we, and I think this is what's strange about food, good and bad. It's a thousand legs that have a thousand legs that have a thousand legs. Yeah. I mean, as a restaurant, you're not supposed to really cater, in my opinion, you don't cater to everybody. You just no. do your expression of food. That, does that go through a filter of nutrition? Does it go through a filter of, you know, the past and... You know, molecularly what you feel or what you've learned, like it, it's it could be anything. So yeah. that's why when scientists come out, it's it's strange because mm -hmm. I associate, like I always say before, I'm baffled the amount of people that aren't um, in the conversation of food in any capacity when they ingest food all the time. Right. So it's like hey, if we all know, if we all basis sugar, refined sugar is bad. Is that everybody in the room? Hands up. Yep. But okay. like 90% just eat it anyways. They're so going like, okay. to have the Snicker bar. Is it because you don't know or is it because, fuck it, kick the can down the road. We'll figure it out later when yeah. whatever. Yeah. Okay. So that's one. So how many of those do we actually all share, if any, after that? And then from there, what is the science really trying to tell us? Because if it's kind of one of those things where I need to know to make informed decisions, when you dine out... Like, are you dining out for pleasure or are you dining out for health? Mm -hmm. Are you dining out, you know, because you always think going out celebratory. I always think opulence. I think, you know, uh, you know, everything, anything goes. I'm here for the experience. I'm here to uh, uh, enjoy your creation yeah. of your food. That doesn't in involve, and sometimes it could be nutrition. I mean, depending on the chef. So many interwoven themes. That's why I'm like, I like the science thing only because it, it curves the conversation into different avenues. Like when right. I listened to that pod, the first thing I thought about was they were speaking of the history as we know it, as told to us. Right. But I've come to learn 
other ways of seeing it that way. Mm -hmm. So what they're saying based off of science, theoretical is very difficult because I'm like, that is, it's like very brief when they do stuff like that. It's like, oh, it came yeah. here and then it went through the Silk Road and then yeah. made its way to Pan Air America and then to America. I was like, I, you could probably do a 55-part series just on... Just on that. Just from just Pan America and America. Yeah, yeah. Can I just see just 25-part series? No, you know, it just came from here, a couple bullet notes, and I'm just like... Mm -hmm. I like it to condense a lot of that into a nice hour segment. I like to see it broken up into yeah. a thousand parts because well, that, I, I have questions. I think you're touching on exactly the same thing as with the food argument, right? And like for some people, that's enough information. You know, they're like, oh, refined sugar is bad for me. Okay. Like, got it. Yeah. You know, okay. Check. You know, check. I mean, you doing it? You yeah. Know? I'm yeah. doing it. Too. I, I'm still going to have it. You I'm know what I mean? It's not going to kill me like now. Yeah. It's not going to kill me now. And then, you know, fine. But then other people are going to be like, well, why is it bad for me? Yeah. Tell, tell me exactly why. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, how much exactly can I have per day yeah. and have it not be bad for me? Or how much to, to the gram? You know, some people are going to want to know more thorough information. And some people aren't going to care. But, like, that's what I'm saying about it is the responsibility if you have the knowledge to share it. Because whether someone chooses to onboard it into their decision-making or process, I feel like it's not for you to decide. Mm -hmm. It's for that person to decide. Mm -hmm. And I think to withhold information from someone is kind of messed up. And like, I wouldn't want to do it uh, willingly. You know, I'm not saying I share every single thing I do with every single person, but you know, I kind of like try and gauge and see what their interest is. And if I see and think they'd, they'd be interested by it, share it. If I don't think so, I don't. Yeah. You know, and that's the interesting part about like the human experience is whatever you say and hear and feel to the same thing, someone else can feel and hear and see the exact opposite. So agreed. Yeah, agreed. I, I find know. that stuff fascinating. I think it's fascinating. I think because it's, it's like I said, it depends on the person. Like totally people want to get more in depth, but it's like, what can a scientist do? So these are all generalities. I think when science puts out information, it's based on a study, roughly, mm -hmm. give or take how many people. Height. You could probably find the study, go into detail, what are the mediums and all that, yeah. which you said, anybody could go deep into it. And then it's, it's really trying to consider, like, what is, what are we trying to do here? What is food exactly? Yeah. And that's the age-old question, which I love. And I think that that's constantly evolving. I think when it comes to diet, um, like what we were talking about, I think... I think we're only learning that there's other ways to do this, mm -hmm. and food. It comes to philosophy. I think it's. I think it's way deep. I think it should be deeper than most people. I think replace your favorite, you know, three TV shows that you're following year in and year out, and fill that with, you know, food uh, that you eat, or people mm -hmm. that grow your food, or people that serve you food, um, or even an item you like, and just deep dive into that one time, just to kind of yeah. have a peace of mind. Because out of anything, you would think it would be that. I would. Yeah. But, but you'd it, be it interested isn't. about it because it goes in your body yeah, you and your body it, yeah. uses it mm -hmm. as fuel. You know, it, it is kind of crazy that, uh, to me, that people aren't more fascinated by the chemistry of their own body and trying to maximize it because that's like what every diet, every energy pill, every energy drink, every sleep study yeah. that people bring up it's like how do i be most efficient with my time right so why would you if you if you're already on that road 
you're doing this thing at least twice a day. I I think 90% of people would eat twice a day, you know. Yeah. There's days I eat once a day and so be it, but that's not most of the time. At least twice, you know, it's one of the things you do the most frequently and then I just find it weird that people just kind of like take it for granted. Yeah. Like, oh, I just put I ate whatever. Yeah. And it's like okay, you ate, you ate a brownie and now all of a sudden you don't feel that great and you don't understand why. <laughs> and then like the next day you do the same thing, you eat another like sweet thing. Yeah. And you still don't feel that good. And then all of a sudden there's a day where you eat like a quiche and all of a sudden you feel great. And like to pay that zero attention as you're like taking your like multivitamin is like so weird. Right. Strange. Because it's like and then people are always worried about money. I'm like you could cut out that multivitamin if you just ate the rainbow or, you know, if you just ate around. And if like like you said, if you took one of your shows once per week and for five seconds hopped on wikipedia even you yeah. could probably be like oh if i eat in during the season i'm naturally just gonna have the nutrients that i need yeah and like oh if i don't feel that great one day maybe then pop that multivitamin because maybe you've missed something by accident but like i haven't taken a multivitamin since i was like a little kid and even then i didn't really need it because my parents were good about making us eat around and veggies and stuff like that but it's just one of those things that every time I see someone come in, like, oh, I eat meat and potatoes, and I'm like, wow, it's crazy that all of a sudden you have all these health issues because you eat no vegetables, and, like, everyone's telling you to eat vegetables, and you're still like, I don't like them. Like, okay, to say I don't like them is crazy because you do like them. You just won't accept the fact that you do. Man, maybe it could be that 1% of people that just can do it. Atkins diet, we talked about before. I mean, that was a fad only to come back under a paleo, you know, look. Um, But like I I said, it's funny because the restaurant world is not of that world. Right. The restaurant world, the only thing I've seen that has evolved in the last 15, 20 years in the industry, in my opinion, is the calorie count that Mm -hmm. you would put on a menu for the restaurants that do. Not a lot of them do. I know bigger yeah. chains got to do it, but yeah. there would always be, I'm assuming people ask for some kind of calorie count to some degree now, right? Yeah. So Along with the food. I would have thing. questions asked to me, like, how bad is this for me? Yeah. And I'm like, subjective. I mean, yeah, it's subjective. Like, I don't know what you ate today. How many you times did you work out today? And I just tell people, like, you know, when you go out to eat, like, wh- where you start with this question, like, what's the purpose of a re- the purpose of a restaurant is to make money. And how are you going to make Business. money? By going after what people want and what do people want they want indulgence yes you know they don't the world of opulence very i would say the minority of people want nutritional gain when they go out to eat to a restaurant yeah Uh, and in a restaurant in the sense of like what we're thinking of as like a sit down you know there's other restaurants like in health food stores that i and you know grocery stores that i would loop into the restaurant category where their focus is nutrition and but that's not what we're talking about i'm I'm talking about a restaurant where you sit down you get a cocktail, you get wine. Yeah, nice ambiance, yeah. a nice jacket. Yeah, yeah. And uh, expensive or not, doesn't matter. But they're they're trying to get after that pleasure center of your brain. True. They're not after the nutrition side. I just think personally for me, as someone who works in a restaurant, part of my duty is to make it taste good, make the restaurant money, but in a way, but incorporate at least some level of let's not make it unnecessarily healthy. Like if I don't have to do something that way, it's just whatever. Why not do it the healthier way or why not do it 
in a way that keeps more of the nutrition in. That's why I try to roast more vegetables than not because a lot of minerals are water soluble and if you blanch them, they kind of go away. For some preparations, it's better to, to blanch and shock and whatever. And so we do it because the main objective is the pleasure center, but why can't a close second be the, the nutrition as well? Yeah. And then you can educate people on that and show them that, you know, a dish of roasted carrots or roasted beef or whatever it happens to be like hey yeah this tastes hell good it's actually kind of good for you too and mm. I, why not put something like that on the menu and show people look how easy this is and chef's, you could be doing this chef's world yeah live in a weird strange world there's no there's no handcuffs for chefs to stay in an avenue of anything yeah that's why i think it's it's a crazy business on the high-end spectrum where you know um fine dining, hot cuisine, kind of high level, quote unquote, as they say. Um, I always think it's just more of what you're saying. It's just more curated shit to the table. Like yeah. these people, their whole job is to make sure that shit you're eating on your table is looked basically after to the highest nth degree they can from the inception to the time it reaches your table. Yeah. That's what you're paying for. Yeah. Plus the nice ambiance and you know, service, you know, but you're like paying that. for the skill, you're paying for the yeah. skill and the attention to detail. Yeah. You're paying for the skill and attention to detail of like, yeah, this was in the ground this morning or that this was picked yesterday and we've, you know, we cooked it this way yeah. to make it taste exactly the best. But see, that sounds healthy. It does to me. But yeah. Then the, the but scope that's just of that the way world, we see it, the scope of the, the scope of that, narrative is never sold as a healthy thing it's just more this is high end yeah it's this like, is a pleasurable experience yeah, yeah when in reality like they're doing essentially what we come to believe when they talk about like uh it is what they used to do in the day like go forage and do all that like that's what high-end restaurants do yeah i but think that's the biggest don't see it as i like, think that's oh, the most important crazy. thing that high-end restaurants are doing at the moment is rediscovering the older techniques and the older plants and, and meats and cuts and things that people used to use and they're using that skill and dedication to prepare those things and show people like, look how good uh, mutton or tastes. Look how good it yeah. can taste when treated respectfully and, and grown in this way. Or look at this radish that we regrew that used to be extinct or we brought this yeast back alive from like a thousand years ago and it does this, you know, because they have the, the budget and the time and place to, to do things that way, you know? See, but that's so crazy because if that is, at least theoretically, philosophy, that is the healthiest way to do it, okay? And it costs the highest. Mm -hmm. But that is, it's so, like I get it. Because, obviously, the dedication of the technicians are few and far between. Um, this doesn't associate with, like, rankings or anything. This is kind of one of those things where the individual takes a look at the business of operation. Some restaurants are in that sphere, but not all of them have the same model of, you know, obviously business. No way. But what we're describing is what the recognized restaurants, like... Uh, what's that one in uh, Copenhagen? Uh, what's Noma. Yeah, right? I, I don't know. I'm out of the game, not as active, but I know that that's still a reputable restaurant mm -hmm. to some degree, right? Mm -hmm. Some would say the greatest on the universe, greatest in the, in the world, okay? Or at, at one point. 
and their whole thing is local ingredients right. cooked to try to accentuate its most best flavored hyper seasonal you know all that i'm like is this expensive because nobody everybody forgot how to do this and only these people know or the these people that are highly skilled have this has been the trend for a long time i think because even yeah. going back to like el bully like 15 20 years ago their whole mm -hmm. thing was, well, we just get Spanish food. We have interesting takes on them, and we right. do, you know, like gastronomy at the highest level from a, you know, chemical standpoint. But it's 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 local, and it's at its highest peak. And we're trying our best to give you the profile, the flavor, the essence of what this is. I like that. See, and it's it seems like year to year we lose more people that don't know about that. That's why when people think about fine dining or high end dining or anything that's above whatever this price point, it's like. Oh man, that's all that for just that little plate of food, and it's yeah. like, oh, see, and it, it backs your theory up of smaller portions, right? Like a lot of people go to a tasting or go to a a plated meal, you know, pre fee, five course, three course, and I wasn't even full because of that. Isn't I was mm -hmm. like, but you were there for like seven hours. Exactly. You were there for like four hours. Yeah. That's you have a lot of things in there to respond to. So yeah, one the I hear people say all the time, well, the plates are so small, and I'm like, for sure. Yeah. You know, and um, but, you know, take take a second to think to think about that. How many courses did you have? And they're like, well, I had five courses or I had seven courses or I had 38 courses. You know, I don't I forget what Nomo was doing at one point, but it was crazy. Uh, but let's just say you're going out somewhere. I think four courses is fair. Right. You're four courses. Let's say they were tiny. Uh, think of, think of how long you were there, you know, versus how long when you go to like a BJ's or you go to like your neighborhood bistro and you get one plate or maybe an appetizer plate and a dessert, you know, and you're there for an hour and a half, let's say. I think that's pretty fast. Well, that's about average actually for someone to sit down and eat versus if you go to a fine dining restaurant and say you have five courses, which is probably one of the shorter tastings I could think of in my head. That's pretty short and they're small and you're there for like three hours and you know, maybe after the first course, you still have a, you're like, man, dude, I already ate and I'm kind of hungry. And it's like, just give it a second. Then you have the second course. All of a sudden people, I don't think they realize how not hungry they are after that second course. Because I've done this a couple of times with people I brought to somewhere more expensive and we get like an amuse-bouche and they're like, oh, dude, thank God I had a snack, yeah. right? And they're like, and I, I, can, I, I wait to ask after we have like our first real course because I don't want to point it out to them yet. And then after we have our first real course, I'm like, hey, how hungry and like oh well, i just ate a couple things i'm like okay i drop it at that i don't bring it up until we get towards the end of the meal maybe like a course or two from the end i'm like how hungry are you right now and they're like i don't know if i'm gonna make it yeah. and this is like hour two of being there right yeah, yeah, yeah it's like a quarter of the way <laughs> right so when i think about when i hear people say stuff like that and then when we're done i ask them they're like dude i'm stuff i can't i can't imagine eating yeah, another bite yeah, and yeah. we've been there for like four hours five hours Okay, when you eat dinner, let's say you eat dinner, I don't know, 7.30, 8 o'clock, reasonable for like a regular dinner at home. And that's at home, not at a restaurant where you have to then clean everything, you know. You what? You wake up at 7 the next morning, 12 hours later, okay, and you're hungry, right? I, I think so. I think I don't know. I, I don't Some live in the average world, right? I, I stay I stay up super late. <laughs> so people, I guess people can argue this. My argument is when you go out to the fine dining dinner, you start at like six, 
and you don't leave that place until sometimes like 10 at night, yeah. right? So not only were you full from, let's say, 7 to 10, three hours, yeah. and you're like, oh, I'm stuffed. <laughs> I don't understand why people say the meal is so small. Like each plate was small for sure, narrative. but it's the narrative. It fits the narrative of like, oh, I'm gonna be upset, and I don't just get being upset right after you spent three, four hundred bucks. Yeah. Or, you know, when people go out to a movie, they'll pay thirty bucks for a movie ticket now, Easily. or whatever it is. Easily. For an hour and a half, two hours of entertainment, and then they're hungry. But no one says shit about that. So it's just. I think it's just exactly what you said, the narrative of like, oh, I, sh I ate small portion, I'm hungry. When in reality, you ate a bunch of small portions, you're not hungry. You're not. You just wanted more of each bite, that's all. Your perception has been broken. Yeah, so, yeah, that's just all I had to say about going out to eat at fine dining dinner, because I always hear people like, am I gonna be hungry afterwards? Like, maybe, but we're gonna sit and eat for like seven hours, Yeah. you know? And people are like, what? And I'm like, yeah, also we're gonna be entertained. Yeah. So it's gonna be like you saw four movies and you ate the whole time <laughs> and, you're, and you're gonna want for nothing the whole time. Yeah. How much would you pay to watch four movies in a row? Yeah. Oh, like 150 bucks and they don't even feed you. Yeah. And you, you gotta pay eat. like $7 for a soda. Yeah, you know, so $12 for popcorn, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, and I tell people too about going out to eat, if that's your first worry, don't go to the fine dining place good point you don't have to no one's telling you it's better or not yeah. i actively tell people just because it's more expensive doesn't mean it's better no it's, it's just experience. different experience it's a different experience yeah, and if you want yeah. that go go get it yeah. you know if you it's like picking art off the wall if you like that piece of art sick yeah same with wine do you like that wine and it was two buck check yeah. sick yeah. you like if the wine that's a hundred at whatever yeah. it's value then that's its value so that's all the restaurant is doing is just saying we believe it's of this value and it's up for you to say yes or no, mm -hmm. but if you decide no, don't sit there and actively hate on them just because you're jealous, you know, that you're not going. Just just go live your life exactly how you want to live it and let people share their, their knowledge with you. Yeah. And then you were saying about um, how it seems like fine dining restaurants are just doing older techniques and stuff like that. I think... Uh, Noma was definitely the bench, uh, was was the place looked for for things like that. I don't know if they started it, but they're definitely, when you think of rediscovering old techniques, I think most people think of Noma who are in food. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what I'm saying about sharing knowledge and, and rediscovering it. It's not that anyone, it's not that uh, only a select few people can do that. It's that a select few of people will, were willing to go back and look in history and find that knowledge and bring it to today. And that's what you're paying for. And I think they did a really important thing of helping people rediscover the food like right around them. Like there's clovers that grow in the grass right here that like, that's edible. Yeah. People don't think about it, you know, because it's in the ground. You're like, oh, I, I have to go buy it. Otherwise, yeah. It's not it's food, right? And cleaned, yeah. pasteurized. Yeah. I saw, I saw a video today of uh, potatoes fresh out of the ground and like going through some machine and it was like a reaction video of like, look how dirty they are. And people were like, ugh, gross or whatever. And then it like, it was a stitch and it cut to this other guy being like, duh, if y'all don't know potatoes don't grow in the ground, like you're stupid, you yeah. know? And it was a perfect explanation of how removed people have become yeah. from the food experience for better or worse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like you said in the beginning, it's, it's for business. 
like food industry is to make money at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. How they go about it, I think that's what tugs at the consciousness of whoever owns the business. Yeah. You know, if you know that this is just, you know, sugar laden and, you know, if you believe that it ain't harming nobody, hey, that's all good. Mm-hmm. You know, some people reluctant to put things on the menu because philosophically they disagree. Whether it's I don't put this, I don't put this. And that's totally fine too. And I think that it's more the merrier, I think. And I think the more unique, the better. And it's, I don't think that responsibility, responsibility needs to be upheld by the fine dining restaurants out there. I think fine dining is doing what fine dining does uh, yeah. is create a very unique experience mm-hmm. in accordance to the owners and the principal chefs and all that to give an experience, you know. And those things don't usually last forever. A lot of these are kind of like uh, rock bands being together. You essentially build the experience to a certain degree. It runs for X amount of years. You know, some last longer than others, and then Mm -hmm. it's gone. And it always comes with some kind of, you know, uh, unique messaging, I think. And that's what I noticed. Noma had that impact. And we could go into why that becomes the restaurant that's picked into. I mean, it's all narratives. Like uh, the food industry has to separate itself from home industry. They're two very close. But Mm -hmm. I think what we're going through right now in the age of information and the age of transition is the industry is changing just as much. Yeah. I mean, it's it's inevitable. Just got to be aware that there are narratives out there and that, you know, people are going to use those subconsciously or consciously to make decisions and to try and influence your decision making, both positive and negative. And you know, it's up to you as the person to try and gather as much knowledge as you're able to and willing to, more importantly, willing to. And you have to decide every day for you, you know, like I can't come and tell you how to live your life because I'm going to do it wrong because I don't know what you want. Truth. I don't don't even know what I want. Okay. I'm, you know, I'm barely doing okay just for me. I can't decide for you. That's why when I talk to people, I try my best to be a little bit more objective than subjective. Or if I do say something subjective to really be clear that like, that's just the way I feel. That's just inherently for me. And if someone wants to question it, for sure, I'm here to, to talk about it. Maybe not mid service at 7:30, when someone wants to lean in the kitchen and say, you know, have you tried blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, get the fuck out of my way, you know? But like, um, I think, I think it always for me comes back to people just, listening to listen first don't just listen to to then respond with what you want to say you know respond with something that is relevant to what they were talking about and respond in a way that lets that person know that you you took their information and are now sharing information with them or sharing your reaction to it so that that your conversation doesn't digress into just an argument or just people just being stoic because as soon as someone thinks as soon as someone's on the defense you can't convince that person anything they turn into an island where information never comes in just information goes out and uh, we have too much of that happening in society where people are just like I'm on an island I'm fine I don't need anything I don't want anything leave me alone and you know I can be that way too but that's it's not how we grow as a civilization you know you're never gonna be the master of everything you may be you know good at a lot of things but you're never gonna master multiple different disciplines and you're gonna be reliant on other humans to like 
like I'm reliant on Apple and different technology companies to do that for me and add things to my life in the, in the same way that people are reliant on me to share food knowledge or to cook for them like in that way. So just being receptive to information is really important. No, that's true. That's true. I think that, yeah, listen to listen. Mm-hmm. This is ever changing. I think, like I said, I think it's, it's like with everything else. We're changing and there's new normals and it's going to continue to change. Like the coffee bar idea. Yeah. Like I've been talking to a couple other coffee places and their uptick in, you know, volume of food. You know, I had a guy come in and was like, yeah, we sell a lot of these sandwiches in the morning and lunchtime. I was like, mm-hmm. that's so fascinating. But you look at the aesthetics, like this would be associated with like high-end dining, you know, like oh, foyers, you know what I'm saying? You know, when you yeah. walk in, this is a lounge at a it's fine got, dining establishment. And it's got like waterfall countertops. You know yeah. what I mean? It's very modern in here. Uh, it's cool. I, I think it's for the better, personally. But I like to see progress for progress sake sometimes. I think this helps the industry for sure because it opens up opportunities for a different food niche market before dinner service. Yeah, as, as someone who really believes in the capitalist or commercialist kind of thing, I want to have options. Yes. Because that's, that's what, you know, it's based off of is having options. It unfortunately goes a different way most of the time, but you know, being commercialist is like, I want to have options. I want to have different people competing for my dollar. Yeah. The best way possible. You know, it doesn't always shake out that way, but that is irrelevant to the point I'm trying to make is I want to have like seven different coffee shops nearby. Why? Because one of them's going to have the best of this. The other one's going to have the best of that. And, it, and it's fun for me to try out different people's visions and see their perspectives. I think we'll be able to, there's a lot of new coffee shops kind of around, so it's kind of, it's cool to see. I'm not the biggest coffee connoisseur, but I'd see its necessity, and this is a good, interesting, like, shift. Yeah. You know, like restaurants, I'm seeing you scale back a lot more on hours. You know, it's a little more manageable for chefs now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, cooks in the new world to have, you know, I even heard people have four-day schedules. You know, yeah. four long days. or. I mean, that's what I'm going that's into. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So you see a lot more it's gonna be three like days a, off it's sometimes. It's going to be like a real job. You know, it's Kinda, not like yeah. this, like, uh, everyone's, people who know me are going to laugh, but it's not yeah. like this job where gremlins are going to have to, like, come in and do all this extra work. And, you know, that was always, like, the restaurant workers' gripe for a long time and why they felt so marginalized was, like, dude, I'm working all these hours. I'm working in this insanely difficult situation where I need to be so limber and so intelligent and so focused all at the same time yeah i need to be able to at a moment react to something else and uh much like teachers have to be the same way you you just don't feel like you're being compensated for the skill that you're bringing to and i think covid really highlighted that and that's why a lot of people left restaurants and you know i think that has now that we've gone through the difficult phase of that is having a really positive phase where people are realizing that they're just gonna have to pay more to go out to eat you know, I still hear people griping about it. And, you know, I'm in a position where I can tell them, well, it's more expensive to hire people and it, ingredients are more expensive because now the farmers, even they realize like, hey, I'm working hell hard. Like I should be getting my cut too. And we're, we're still in the midst of going through this reform of refocusing where the money should go as a civilization. But I personally, for the better, 
obviously I'm biased, I think. People are realizing that uh, people involved in the food industry deserve to be paid a little bit more. Or that the reality is that they are going to be getting paid more from That's top down. Yeah. And that when you go out to eat, like your sandwich isn't 10, 12 bucks anymore. Your sandwich with like a side of fries is like 20 plus dollars mm. now. And that's just, that's just the reality. And whether you like it or not, people are finally accepting it. Yeah. They may not like it. I hear people complain about it, but yeah. they still pay their bill. Yeah, but everybody goes to the supermarket and see yeah. what's going on in the supermarket too. Yeah. Same idea. Like, yeah. it's so, just, this is inevitable. It was going to catch up to us at some point. It had to. You know? Yeah. You could only kind of hide that for so long. You know, there's only so many government subsidies that can keep ingredients cheap for so long before people are like dude i'm working 24 hours a day on my farm you know i had my phone rings and i wake up at the drop of a hat like (laughs) that's not a sustainable way to live Mm -hmm. yet as a civilization you need my product so why am i not getting a bigger cut of that yeah it's interesting i think so yeah yeah it's just like culturally well maybe this is america i mean i'm taught to believe that other countries like you know spend more money on food than we do in other countries it just works different it's a different framework for how everything you know more people what i have observed and from being in a little bit more rural parts of europe and stuff and things like that is more people are just more connected to the food and they're just better home cooks you know i mean there's definitely people in america who are great home cooks you know i'm not saying that but i would say on average someone in europe is a better home cook than someone here uh, because they have their little garden that they grow tomatoes even if it's just one thing or they grow even if they just grow flowers in their backyard they understand the process of a plant growing yeah. and so they know like oh it's midwinter i can't get tomatoes yeah but i can't get this other thing and if i want tomatoes i can but i know i'm paying extra and yeah. they know they're not coming from here and they decide to make those choices versus going into safeway and everything's available all the time that is a strange existence. Yeah, I think I think it's weird that people uh, are that way here, where they just midsummer say decide I want. I don't. Now I can't think of anything. I want an apple. I want the freshest apple midwinter. I want a yeah peach. Like, okay, fine, but like I want pineapples. Apples don't grow in winter. Yeah. Don't grow in summer. Yeah. You know. So. But that's the whole set of being in a city, right? That is the whole sell of being a city is that you, you have more options. Yeah, for that sure. enables the existence of restaurants mm. because the people can't make food. <laughs> right. Right, right. So it's like a it's a give and a take because yeah. it makes you think of when we talk about history. What, how did restaurants exist back then? Or were there mm-hmm. even restaurants? What is the history book They say? were so different, too. Yeah, exactly. They like say, the oh, it was just a big feast. was indulgent. Just, oh, yeah. Like, versus now where once it's a year much shit. more like, oh, well, we're going to go really rustic and like we're going to we're going to, you know, focus on this radish that hasn't grown for a hundred years. And you're going to eat that. And it's cool. It's cool to see that. It's just, I, I'm just fascinated by the dynamics and stuff like that. I just like watching it. Yeah. I find it interesting. I think it's a great conversation. I mean, like I think it's important. Me, personally. It's, it's, like I look through history, through food. Um, and, you know, I look at alternative history a lot. And that's mm-hmm. why when I think of food, I can't help but think alternative history for food. Like it's fascinating of and this is what i come to realize is food is amazing it really is when you look at the fibonacci sequence when it comes to like uh fruits right cut open any fruit um and just see just look down at the pattern look at the leaves look at just it's 
design. It's the colors are insane, the look is insane, aromas are insane, and it's so many, and it's like, it's overlooked. Not to say you have to be like, oh, this is beautiful. It's one of those you know arguments for like, oh, nature is amazing, but when it comes to food, it is quite strange because. I don't think we're really supposed to understand where it comes from. I think it is to be admired and it is to be not taken for granted. Now, the narratives of what we're doing, like, um, you know, over farming, over fishing, over too much beef, too much, those narratives, I, I can't say for sure. At this point, I'm like, there's a lot of money tied into these businesses, I'll tell you that. I, I don't know what the true story is. I'm always up for discussion. Um, I think it's really not what they tell us. I don't think it really is the whole story. Um, but the stuff is special. And I think the restaurants in the, in the idea of cities are there to preserve possibly a lot of that, um, you know, that origin and to uh, the true nature of how these things are to be eaten. Even though it's at an expensive price point, it's only because this is a lost you know, this is like a, a lost thing that people don't do anymore. Like, if every restaurant did this, fine dining restaurants wouldn't really exist. Right. You know what I'm saying? If every restaurant was like, oh, man, we out here harvesting and we doing this and mm-hmm. boom, I price it here. Yeah. Like, oh, shit, well, damn. Okay, so now there's other things you have to account for as a business. Yeah. You know, what do people like? And it's all about the feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you go to upscale restaurants for all types of reasons. You go to a different restaurant to eat dinner on a weekend. You go to a different restaurant during the weekday. You yeah. go to, you know, so. You go to one restaurant when your aunt's in town. You go to a different restaurant when yeah. your uncle's in town. Yes, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think it's collaboration is everything. Collaboration in the name of food. I think it's a great conversation. I think that everybody should have one. And, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's, uh, things are definitely changing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. topic so what you been up to the last four months uh i got back from italy okay. i was you know went right back into running the restaurant um recently just accepted a new position at a different restaurant so i'll be switching um, first first day is two days from now so it's exciting new adventure for me moving price points to moving from a much more casual situation uh where you know, I could kind of walk in how I'm dressed now, which is in like, <laughs> you know, a $20 kind of poof, poofy some jacket, Uggs. some Uggs. some joggers and my Ugg house slippers yes. where you could walk in and do that to, to a restaurant that's a little bit more upscale. I mean, not a little bit, it's definitely more upscale, but is also a place where conversationally is casual. They try to keep it casual with the guests and, and engage people in the conversation, which was uh, a one of the reasons why I was lured into joining this new place because I, I believe in the ideals that they have. Um, so yeah, it's exciting for me to start a new adventure, much less responsibility. So I'll be able to have more time for myself to kind of look into different interests be, besides food that I have and you know engage in having a real life and like seeing my friends more often and, and being a part of that. So um, like I was saying earlier, it, it was a position that maybe pre-pandemic would never have existed or an opportunity. But yeah, I'm going to be moving into more or less a four-day work week, four, four longer shifts and three days off. Where when I started cooking, that was like unheard of. 
like maybe the corporate chefs of like Chipotle and McDonald's and Panera Bread, maybe they would have something like that. And now as um, a sous chef, but you know, not super high on the food chain at the place. I'm not, in, I'm not at the top, you know, I'm more of like a team lead type position to have all those benefits. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for it. Nice. Yeah. There you go. So that's what you've been up to. Yeah. That's what I've been up to. Yeah. <laughs> no, and you were on nothing. Nothing. Oh yeah, yeah. You're a new I did superstar. a I did a food competition show. Okay. Uh, I did another podcast thing where they wanted to interview me specifically, which I thought was weird. Off of the show. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, spinoff. Yeah. Nice. It's a okay. it's a podcast called Dine One Six, and okay. I was super intrigued to do it because they're promoting obviously people from Sacramento. Our area code is Nine One Six. Okay. So that was cool. Uh, they were fun guys to talk to. They were just interested in my story, which uh, for me isn't that interesting, you know. But I hope for other people that they they find it interesting. The guys seem super excited to learn different things and. Uh, so yeah, uh, did a. It was cool, you know. I've been trying to get around, be a little bit more uh, in the moment, and enjoy life as it comes, rather than being so worried about the future. And uh, this new position is definitely gonna uh, avail me to do stuff like that more frequently. Do a little bit more traveling, like we were talking about earlier. You know, be willing to work a little bit longer in life and travel more rather than not work as long and travel late. Nice. What's yeah. on the bucket list for traveling? Uh, I think the next place I want to go to is like Northern Europe. I'm really fascinated by that. You what know, countries are over there? like Norway, Denmark, Sweden. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, Netherlands isn't super Northern Europe, but kind of Germany would be cool. I really want to get back to England as part of that Italy trip. I spent a week in England right at the end, okay. uh, a couple of days with my cousin in the Western side of the country which I had no knowledge of, but was super fun. I really want to get back over there because she lives in a very rural village, as it's called. And it was nice just to walk around and see, like, uh, England, Britain people who are, like, super average, middle class. Was it, like, countryside? Yeah, it was pretty countryside-y. Um, nice. You know, downtown was basically one street. Okay. I, did, I walked around the whole town, uh, walked around the whole village one morning. took yeah. me like an hour to walk around the whole thing. Nice. You know, there was it was just interesting to see. They had like, you know, a school. So there was like an elementary, high school, I think what we'd call here. I don't know if it's the same verbiage over there. Walk around it and just see how it's set up, what's important to them. Uh, and then walked right past some guy that like, blows glass and, and does pottery in the same building it was cool to see how connected a smaller place is to like an artisan like that uh, all the real estate you know it was so green over there because I guess it rains all the time uh, there's a there was a big castle near the village too that we went and looked at one day and Europe's fascinating because everything's so much older there than it is here but is it though it, it's well okay that we'll get to that but it's um i think it's known history is so much older yeah. right like but it's so compact over there and it's been it's known history is so much more ancient that you know 
where we have like historical buildings that are like off limits to doing anything, they have historical buildings where someone that's just their home because there's no room to keep expanding. They have to keep inhabiting the same places or going higher and you know, it's too hard for whatever reason I think to kind of go higher in situations over there. So people stay in the same places and everything's a little bit tinier, but everything just felt so communal when I was there. I was super into the community where by day two of being there, the local butcher like knew who I was. And like they knew they knew who I was before I come because it's a small village. Like it's people, a big deal. People don't come to visit, yeah. you know. And they were like, "Oh, it's the American." And uh, you know, it was fun for me to just go to a local butcher that was very picturesque. Of like, they brought a whole animal. They brought whole animals in every morning, and those guys were going at like four or five in the morning, yeah. and I'd get there at like six or seven because I never changed time zones. And like, there was sausage that they had made that morning that then I would bring back to their place and like make breakfast, like American breakfast for us. And like, that was super cool. And I was like, wow, dude, like this animal, like they brought that, you know, that's like a thing that's fascinating to me. And even I spent the next three days in London and I just felt like it was super communal there as well. Definitely a little bit more distant, you know, but just walking around, like people would look, look you right in the eye and say, you know, like the, yeah, like, (laughs) Like one thing versus like when you walk around here in Sacramento, which isn't the biggest city. We're a big city, but you're a stranger. You know, yeah, it's like very few people will look at you, you and even give you a head nod. You know, it's very much like look away. Yeah, we don't and like each other here. Where people are just like <laughs> moving out farther and farther away from the city center and creating new cities where it's like they form a community with just people who have their own beliefs, which are, it was just much more intermixed. And I was really into the community thing. We, we would stop and ask people. We went and visited a couple of different places. We went to Bath, which is over there. And now I can't remember a single name of anywhere we went. But we stopped and asked just a random person in Bath for directions. Yeah. We talked to them for like an hour and a half. Cause it, and they, they just ended up walking with us. And they're like, oh, I got to go work. But texted their boss like, I'll be back <laughs> later, you know. And maybe that's a unique situation. But it was super cool. We stumbled up upon a rugby game and went to that and we didn't sit in like the fan section because that had been sold out but we just bought tickets wherever we could we went and sat we ended up sitting in like a fan section that wasn't as rowdy but had you know there was like younger families were there some older couples were there and this couple that was right behind us you know i i know the game of rugby but my cousin didn't so i was trying to explain it to her and they would kind of jump in and help explain too and like they didn't know us they just just two people sitting in front and but they were just like all in on it just seemed much more helpful oh, you know man. it was super cool How come i can't not like that out here i don't know but what i can't it? i cannot wait to get back into england and yeah. and have another thing like that yeah uh in london it not as communal but still like friendly people are still friendly you know i walked around uh what's that park called i think it's winchester park that's near buckingham palace okay you know, stopped and talked to a couple of people who grounds people there. They, you know, give me a couple of minutes of their time, get back to work. But they weren't just like, ah, whatever. You know, um, we. I stumbled upon some people I know from here in town, in a crowded. Yeah, because of course the world of course. is tiny. Of course, yeah, uh, they hard. hadn't told anyone that they were going to be in England either. I hadn't told anyone. I just saw them walk past me. And for anyone who's <laughs> familiar, is in the Camden Markets, which is like. 
a million people. If you can imagine, like, Diagon Alley from Harry Potter, but yeah. tinier and way more people. <laughs> and I only saw them because I'm taller than most people. <laughs> and uh, they were like, what the fuck? And um, her, her fiancé or her girlfriend ended up finding this place for us to go to dinner that night. Nice. It was super cool. Same thing, you know, we're industry people, so we kind of talked to the you cooks the and stuff. And of course. Yeah, they, they were like, oh, if you want to go out, like, go here, go there, yeah. go there tonight. You know, it's kind of a hard night to go out. It's a Tuesday night, <laughs> but whatever, like, go try your luck. And we ended up at a bar super late at night till 3 in the morning, still nice. hanging out and partying. And it was cool. And, like, people just, like, kind of looked after each other a little bit more. You know, there's mm. definitely shady parts of London where people are like, you yeah. know, when you cross the street, like, be, be wary, be wary, yeah. you know, and, like, take a cab home but like take from this company and like make sure that you pay the extra for yeah. don't don't be cheap about it like get home safe and there was that to it like any i think any major city. Yeah, world any major city, city like yeah. that bunch of people but um yeah i stayed at a hostel where they had someone up 24 hours a day if you needed anything and it, i just talked to the guy that owned it for a while he was there for most of the day and it, it was cool it was yeah. just so communal and i left with the feeling of like Oh wow! I felt like I belonged there, yeah. even though that's not my home. But I felt like I could go and like I had like a network to to rely on. Nice. Maybe when those people come here to vacation, they probably say the same shit. <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe it's that's just the, I fucking hate the, where we're from. England, goddamn it, these fools hate each other. It's like ah, everything's great. Yeah, you know? I'm like, dude, look, dude, these Americans, man, yeah. dude, there's all different types, and they're all. And then they're all yeah. trying to, they're making fun of my, yeah. you know, thing. It could be. I, I also liked how reachable everything is in, in Europe. You know, I went, um, I stayed for most of the trip in Tuscany and in one half day, yeah, I was able to get from Tuscany to Umbria, which is about a third to oh, like half public a, transit you're talking about? Yeah, on just a train, basically two trains, yeah. more or less one train, really. Yeah. And it took a half day. You know, and that that's just because it's smaller there. Like, you know, the same thing you could, the same distance you could almost cover here in California. Yeah. But because we're so spread out, it doesn't seem as much of a change. Yeah. And, you know, like as going from maybe like Sacramento coast, that's to like coastal cities, man. Monterey. Those are like awesome places. <laughs> yeah. Like Sacramento to Monterey is probably the distance I traveled. Maybe a little bit farther. Maybe like Sacramento to, I don't know, somewhere between Monterey and L.A. You know, like Fresno, like a Bakersfield, or Bakersfield, something. yeah. Well, that's far. Yeah, that's pretty far. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah. you know, over there because it's so compact, it doesn't feel. Everything changes so drastically. A little bit more drastic. Highly populated. It's not as and homogenous. Then different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going one place to a different place. Versus where like California is homogenous. Like, uh, what's kind of far? If you went to like Sea Ranch, California, versus Monterey, California. Yeah. It's almost the same. Yeah. One's yeah. going to be more populated. And have a little bit more options, but they're going to eat exactly the same thing. Yeah, same shit, yeah. Versus if you go, you know, uh, what's it called? Via Reggio versus, now I can't think of a single other coastal town in southern Italy. I don't know, a different one. Yeah. They're going to have similar food. They'll probably both have seafood, but prepared way different. Like, one's going to use much more tomatoes. Like two totally different cultures. like cream and polenta. Yeah. Because it is two cultures. See, so what happened in America? So what happened in America? Okay, Let's, that's okay. why the Native Americans. I don't understand. Who are those people? This is the this is one of the things I brought up at the shop, right? Okay. It was uh, Tenochtitlan, and how yeah. that city in in Mexico. If anyone's unfamiliar, Tenochtitlan was the capital of the Aztec 
Empire, and it was in like Texaco, I think is Something how it's like that. Yep. And it was a city in the middle of the lake, which from every historical reference I've ever read, had between 200,000 to 300,000 people. I think, no way. I think the number's way higher than that. Agreed. Because just looking at the infrastructure that it had, it could support probably a million. Mm. And I think keeping the number lower makes it is like you, you can't get too crazy out of what it was. Well, you can't bring it, attention to it if you, you say millions. Yeah, if you say million, people are like, where those people go? Yeah, where are all the people? And I'm always interested by the history of how the Spanish took that over because it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't. How you were able to invade an island that pretty much has protection to all sides because it's not like they built a boat and went after it. You know, it's a it's not connected to outside water, to my knowledge. And it just seems way too highly fortified for the Spanish to just come in and take that. Something happened. Something, yeah. Something that you have to consider elements of, like, fantasy, at least. You have to be open to the idea of something that's beyond what they tell us. Yeah. I'm to or understand. Someone, someone, the technology of one of those empires is yeah. way off by estimation. Yeah. I think they're, the way we see their tech is different from how our tech is viewed. Yeah. Like you said, like, if they found a city in a lake, I've come to some... Uh, idea that all lakes and river systems in the entire world are all connected. Mm-hmm. I've come to this information. I don't know if it's true or not. It makes a lot of sense, though. This is the 5% uh, where we always say 95% normal, 5%. Yes, you are 95.5. I am 80.20. Yeah, okay, well, I'm not, but this is for everyone. This is, this my is the 5%, 5% yeah. out that you got to be willing to accept a little bit. You got to be open to some yeah. different idea. But I mean, if it's found in a lake, it, it, all smart civilizations or something like that are, are either near water or up in mountains. Like you see the other one that we saw that's up in a mountain. You're like, why is this on a mountain? It's a whole entire castle. How they bring, you know, stuff like that. So yeah. if it's in water, irrigation, crops, I mean, we were talking about food. Um, I, I, you need water, you need food. Why do you need a lot of food? Yeah. To feed a lot of people. Definitely more than 600,000 probably. Yeah. So they had systems of survival and civilization here, and then they just disappeared. Not qu- Is it quick or not quickly? Because if it's quick, where did all their bodies go? Because there's not like a different cemetery, right? There isn't the American cemeteries where these are the people that lived in America. Right. And then there's the indigenous. No, the indigenous people, I'm assuming, are just... In the ground? Is that why they mean or Indian they, burial site? Or, or were something? they, like, never killed? And were they assimilated? Or is somehow... Or that was makes there sense a lot too. more assimilation on each side than anyone cares to admit? Or was there some... Or did they move? You know, See, I could just, see that. The math doesn't add up for how many people were here versus they said killed and taken over yeah. in uh, conventional warfare techniques that we believe in that area. The math for me never adds up because there should be some like, and it's not like the human body decomposes that quickly. So where are all these people? Where are all the bodies? Or they are living amongst us. And like you said, how many years does it take to just take away the history and the knowledge of a people? Like a hundred years. Like if you don't know who your grandparents are and you barely know your grandparent and you know your parents, but you only know history from about your grandparents. That's yeah. about 100, 150. And you only know it filtered through them. So that's it. And they're only seeing it from a vantage point of living in it. Yeah. So who knows 
anything before that. No, but yeah, we're over here talking crazy. about four, two thousand years ago. I'm like, to be honest, I think that I'm open to anything, and logic dictates that the way I see it, there was a civilization that was thriving, and I think that those people were remixed into different cultures. And when you think about how many miscommunications there are in translating languages, um, you know, I think there's the math never adds up and there's so many different avenues for where inv- information can be lost or hidden maliciously or, or non that like you have to believe that there's something else, else. happening or at least why do you think someone to... would do that with information? I don't know. That's, that's the, the that's the kicker. That's the thing. I don't know. For for me personally, I I wouldn't do it, so it's hard for me to grasp. I think when you be even a little bit more adult about it than that, you can say there's definitely reasons for people to hide information is because information is power, and they have decided that the narrative of what has happened is best for them, or, or this narrative if they can get this out, it makes the most sense for them for whatever reason that is. Mm-hmm. You know, there's too many reasons. To, to think about that, but see that's why I think about people food. twist information to match what they're saying or match if something they want you yeah, to believe. Because if they can get you to believe that tomatoes are the best thing for you, you're going to buy more tomatoes. Well, mm-hmm. isn't it crazy that that person who brought that information also owns the tomato or, company? You know, yeah, you know. So that's why you gotta be suspicious. Got to be open to anything. And that's and why I'm always saying I'm okay with not knowing anything. information that you have and be willing to receive information. Yeah, and admit that not knowing anything is fine. Like, yeah. I think this is all just speculation, to be honest. I would say, don't be all concerned with just being wrong. Yeah. It's, it's fine. We're all wrong. We're all I don't wrong. think we know shit. All I'm doing is expressing what I've listened to that I think sounds more logical than the stuff they tell us, which I agree with you. Like, I heard, uh, like, Corn, right? Corn is very important. Is it? But that's what they say. Because, okay, the Incas and the Mayans, ancient civilization, right? They're they're known for being corn, you know, people. They have yeah. a corn god, you know, what all that stuff is. Um, I know Southeast Asia, I know in the Philippines, corn is a, a big deal, you know, for all types of reasons. Now, the origins of why and what is corn in the same ideas of what I was talking about with vegetables and you know that being so unique corn doesn't grow wild i don't think not like in the idea you just throw mm. seeds and it does its thing it needs help from you know mm. humans yeah. yeah so whatever that dynamic is and the humans that knew or were taught or figured out how to and what to do for corn in order to help feed i'm assuming masses because you know let's just say in you know spanish or mexican or you know south american food the corn is a staple in a lot of situations the fact that humans need to help it to grow and somehow knew that shows me some very high level of yeah. the world. And I think it's it's very spiritual in that way. Like, you know, the Florida Lee symbol. Mm-hmm. OK, I was shown information to look that as a corn, you know, uh, splitting. Okay. Yeah, I'm that's what that. I was to was told or showed that that is the original idea of what that is, because that symbol is very prominent especially in like uh, french mm-hmm. or like the south it's it's on their flag i think um the saints i mean that's their logo yeah so this crop is important enough to be recognized as this or at least 
now you know hidden but if that is what yeah, it's supposed it's, to be such prominence why throughout what? the world yeah. too because then the ethanol idea what we talked about last time was like oh man they're just burning ethanol for what why we keep on growing corn for no reason it, it's glucose it's sugar it's all that mm-hmm. i was like okay has this crop have we turned it in for bad just as much as it was used for good you know or mm-hmm. what level is it being used for or good what was the, this crop good? what did it used to be yeah, what was it really used for? Like, I remember mm. hearing something like before people didn't really eat it, like in certain regions of the Philippines, mm. it was more used for feed. You grow it as a byproduct of your farm uh, to okay. feed to your you animals. Know, and yeah, like water buffaloes and all your stuff because it's it's almost like a very flexible, you know, easy it's to It's weird grow. that it grows everywhere. Interesting. When, when there's a plant that thrives everywhere, makes you think like okay sure yeah naturally cool yeah okay it, let's just say it happened happenstance if it if its genes just are like that it would make sense also that it could spread really easily but then the five percent of me is like did some like advanced civilization just like here let me throw you a bone here boom got you this got here's be this thing dude if you just like here ancient leaders if you kind of like take care of this a little bit it'll help you out and then they were just like off back into space and left or i don't know i think to think i believe to think that if you think the most technologically advanced civilizations have always thrive or have always survived throughout history i think you're wrong mm. because i think at, it it doesn't make sense for a 100% win rate right 100% win rate that's crazy no one has that yeah that's foolish so, to even say it yes so it would make sense that at different points throughout history that massive amounts of information have lost, especially when we know for a fact a couple of times it has happened. <laughs> yeah. Great Library of Alexandria. At least what they tell us. Or if what they the told two us. they tell us, that means there's uh, at least like 20. <laughs> what is it? I think just in the last 10 years, we finally started making concrete better than the Romans. Yeah, that makes or slowly no sense. discovered, yeah. Or fa- recently just found out the recipe. Yeah. Like, How? How did you just recently find we that out? We have all this technology and we just recently found it. Or the technology that we have doesn't really factor in the effectiveness of that shit. Yeah. You know, these buildings that have lasted thousands of years when we have, you know, homes that are breaking down after like 50. Yeah. It's like... Yeah, the same thing we were talking about, like, in Europe, how people keep living in the same properties and, like... Built different. Built to last. Yeah. But but these are old homes. But That doesn't make no sense. So you're telling me with better technology we make things worse? I mean, and it's like, not sexy. Like 95% of me is like, well, that's the commercialism. And like, why would you build something to last when you can resell it to someone 10 more yeah. times throughout their ownership? But then 5% of me is like, well, why don't we, what happened to us as a population that we stopped demanding that stuff lasts? That's also true. But see, we're not in control of that narrative. Yeah. We're in control People of new now and new out of package. Yeah. You know, like a, a, a great building now or a fancy building is a tall rectangle. Yeah. <laughs> But meanwhile, you have, you know, cathedrals and structures. Obviously, you've been in Italy, but you see those same kind of structures around California when you're able to. They're even hidden in cities Mm -hmm. where there's these just very nice domed, like the state capital itself. You're like, Mm -hmm. uh, all (laughs) these cathedrals that are all built in the shape of the cross. They're chilling. Why? Chilling. No matter where they're built. There's cathedrals all over the planet and they're. Vibing. Yeah. Oh, the Sacramento was, was flooded. But Notre, Notre Dame. I don't know if Notre Dame is a cathedral or not. I think it's built very it's similar to the like one. That, yeah. Uh, it caught on fire and like okay, some of it burnt. The roof. And that was it. Yeah. 
Versus you think of like someone's home, which is smaller, kitchen on fire, and light oh, up like a tissue paper. Oh, what about one better? Uh, the Twin Towers. <laughs> yeah. Just melted? All the way down. Well, I mean, how many conspiracy theories are about that? <laughs> that's you know? what I said. We go all day and on that. And then, you know, I think whenever someone tries to make a topic like that taboo, that's when you should be even more suspicious. Like, I agree. It's almost like you can't even talk about the Twin Towers. Oh, well, you know. You gotta have reverence and like for sure but like why isn't there an opportunity to talk about what happened with reverence yes like for sure like yeah it's nothing personal we still gotta it's find looking out. at it just as what happened it's been like, long you enough. can still be upset that you know people lost yeah. their lives in whatever there, you but believe, we can still talk about it yeah. we can still talk about okay but like let's find out what yeah. let's find out like what actually happened there why is stuff melting but see my thing is this that happened almost 20 something years ago and people are Damn, barely having the crazy. conversation it now. Really did. So I agree with you in the thinking. I think what we should do going forward as people is tell news and any information sites to hold up when they're reporting shit mm-hmm. and be like, hey, before you go to the next story, can we just kind of dive into this for a week and then yeah. just tease you know, the other events later and we'll just kind of curve where community, yeah. where we kind of want to focus on more this investigative so stuff. I love this point. Because yeah. how many times throughout history has that happened? Oh, I think since you know? the inception <laughs> yeah, exactly. of what they tell us. I think if people realize now that as long as you keep moving on to the next thing, people get distracted, they were definitely doing that back in time. Oh, for sure. Easier back no then. Way. It was easier. easier. Or maybe it's easier now because they have us now all on the screen. I think now it's easier to have a large group on the same, same thing. But I think... It had its own easiness back then because people were like, oh, dude, okay, well, you know what? I can't worry about Rome invading because I can't get my grain to grow this year. Yeah, I'm okay? trying to survive today. Oh, they just showed up? I don't care. Take it. I don't give a shit. You got me. I'm with you. Next day the Greeks come through, I got you. I'm with you. I don't care. You That's know true. what I mean? Yeah, but, like, yeah, yeah. You're, too, you're too concerned in the menial that you're like, I'm paying taxes to you. You got it, mm-hmm. dude. Oh, I pay taxes to you. You got it. I don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, whoever comes through that day, I'm like, fine. I mean, that's why it feels but like. it's almost like that's what we do now. It's it's this it's like this construct that's the same. Like we are characters placed in a video game on island and lands that, uh, to me, they they got to be terraformed at this point because you've seen some coves, you've seen on the coastline some of those rocks just some of these sunsets perfectly cut stuff. You know, right on top of the hill or right between the waves. How come there's so many ancient structures that still mathematically lined up for the sun to do stuff like that? Come on, man. And like, but math is like somehow this weird thing that not everybody can understand what did, i think some ancient egyptian was the first one to prove that the world was round with like two mm. sticks mm. Mm. that's what i'm saying they don't they don't ever emphasize yeah. these things of importance yeah and i think that's by design yeah. i think like you said if sure that's important but i don't need you to know that you just need to know this yeah and we'll continue to accept it because we have all forms of accepting this stuff now way more prominent way more easier where it's just it's constant and right. no one's going to ask because we're inundated with a lot of stuff. Yeah. So that's why I think taking deep dives. Yeah, that's why taking deep dives they, and Humans have out. been the same over time. Mm-hmm. I, I heard something recently that I kind of always believed was true anyway, but they, they're pretty sure about it now that you could take someone from antiquity and if you could time travel them forward to today's world. And as long as you could get them to accept the concept of what had happened, they, it would take them like a, a week or so to adjust to, to living acclimate. in today's world. Yeah. I mean, time travelers, I'm yeah. actually more believing that now. I think movies are real, but I think they, they are did slighted. time travel something. Or I'll, I'll look into this more for the next time. I think yeah. one place teleported something recently, like a little key. 
and I think another place had something travel in time by a very minuscule amount. Oof. That's just the beginning. I'm and then, you. and then there's AI, but we can't well, get into AI. AI is like that. on this crazy like where what when we were early 2000, late 90s, how technology went through that huge boom. Mm -hmm. I think we're right at the cusp of AI doing that right now. We're seeing. But I want to save this all for the next one. Yeah, I think we're seeing slowly. Uh, all the things that we ever thought were the worst parts of technology are going to come to the forefront. Not to say mm -hmm. it's going to be real, but it will be up for discussion because there yeah. are things brewing. And I think like technology, it's a lot quicker. It's not slow like how the analog world that we used right. to live in before. This More will be literally like gets, the faster it goes. quick. Yeah. yeah, yeah, nice. All right, cool. All right. Pete, nice to have you back. Tell the people what they need to hear. Tell them where to follow. Tell them what to do. All right. Uh, be kind to others. Drink your water. Listen to listen vote us into government so we can tear it down yes, uh, yes. be kind to yourself yes yes cool. thank you brother always for the time yep